0: So that's how I got stuck eating lunch in the school cafeteria with the kid and his band of blind brothers. And one girl. Actually, make that two boys a girl, the kid, and a teacher that may or may not appreciate my presence. That last bit isn't fully substantiated, but the evidence is piling up.
1: Have you eaten in public since you lost your sight, Mr. Morneau?
0: As a matter of fact, yes. Yes. The kid and I had dinner up at the bar the other night. Didn't we, kid? Um, yeah, we did burgers.
1: Uh huh. Um, what bar would that be?
0: The kid got as far as the M in meanwhile before my hand clamped over his mouth and most of his face. Kid, you don't share the location of the Bat Cave with strangers.
1: Okay, what's on the agenda for peer-to-peer today, guys?
0: Before we start, can I get some introductions? I'm new to this blind thing. Who am I sitting with? State your name and any pertinent scars or tattoos for the record. I pointed my fork directly across from me, and then realized she couldn't see the gesture. You, little girl. You first.
1: Maya? I don't have any tattoos, but I got a scar on my leg from falling off my bike when I was seven.
0: How old are you now, Maya?
1: Twelve. How old are you?
0: You can call me Morneau, and I am hovering somewhere very close to sixty. I've lost track. Now you, sitting directly to Maya's left. Toby, fifteen. No scars or tattoos. I felt around for my utensils and set to work on the barbecue chicken, stabbing the knife into a thick piece of flesh while pulling the meat off with the fork. Okay, Toby, 15. Nice to meet you. Next. Another voice, a little higher, answered through a mouthful of food. I'm Brian, 10. With one paltry mouthful down, my fork stabbed bone in its quest for bite two, and my tray slid sideways, knocking the fork out of my hand. So you're all blind, huh?
1: Just me and Maya. Brian and Toby can see you. So can the teacher.
0: I was pawing around a table for my missing fork until I heard something clatter to the floor.
1: Are you having trouble with your utensils, Mr. Morneau?
0: No, they're having trouble with me. I tossed a knife down, picked the chicken leg up, and took a huge bite. The way I see it, we're all born with two utensils attached to our arms. And if it's good enough for the population of India, it's good enough for me. Did you know that many Indian cultures don't use toilet paper to wipe? They use their left hand, which is considered the dirty hand, and only use their right for eating. I took another bite of the chicken. It wasn't half bad.
1: What hand is he eating with? Both.
0: I licked barbecue sauce from my thumb and forefinger, making sure there was enough smacking to give the blind in attendance a clear visual.
1: I have a date next week. Do you? Mm Mm-hmm. Mom's driving us to the movies. She promised she wouldn't talk at all.
0: Good luck with that one, kid. I dropped what was left of the chicken leg onto my plate and felt around for my napkin.
1: I'm working on an opening line for as soon as she opens the door, in case her parents are standing there.
0: I'm a little ashamed to admit that Jake's enthusiasm made me want to flick his little forehead. The kids got all the markings of innocent youth. Picture a button buck with a rifle trained on its temple. Okay, what you got? Toby 15 asked. Once young Shakespeare finished delivering his masterful greeting, the table fell silent. Then I started to laugh, and it wasn't long before a three-student harmony of giggles joined in. Let me give you a piece of advice, kid. You can't see... So I get that you can't compliment her dress or whatever lovely attire I'm sure she will be wearing. So maybe you admire the timbre of her voice as she welcomes you inside. Perhaps wax poetic on how lovely you assume she looks. But unless you want the muzzle of a Ruger grazing your temple, I'd squelch that urge to elaborate on how her two-message scent evokes that of a dew-dappled bud opening in early spring. I would further urge you Google sexual euphemisms that's all I'm comfortable saying on the topic Yeah,
1: and how do you know she's gonna smell good?
0: Brian Ten asked
1: I just know she smells good
0: The kid sounded hurt and that made me feel bad Listen, kid it was good what you said You've got the underpinnings of a sweet-talking Lothario but you don't need it You're a good kid. Hell, I like you, and I don't like most people. Just be yourself. Besides, didn't anyone ever tell you Shakespeare was a wuss? I don't know who the object of his affection was, but it's safe to assume that at some point, even she told him to give it a rest. Call from Carla Danning. When my phone started to ring, I wiped as much of the sauce off my hands and onto my jeans, as I could before grabbing it from my pocket. Call from Carla Danning. Yeah, what? I'm eating.
1: Morneau, I've got Detective Price with the Michigan State Police on the line. He won't talk to me until you tell him that I work for you.
0: I sighed the long and weary sigh of a private detective... About to get on the very bad side of a state-employed detective he'd never had the pleasure of meeting. Price, is it? Listen, I hope this is just a formality because I have no idea what's about to come out of my assistant's mouth, though I have no doubt it will piss us both off. What say we let her blab for a couple minutes, and when she stops for a breath, we both hang up. It'll go quicker that way, I assure you. "'For your trouble, I'll buy you a beer, Six, should we ever meet.' "'Go!' came his gruff response.
1: "'Okay, Detective, let me ask you something.'
0: I pictured Carla reclined back in the seat of her car or laying on some shitty mattress at whatever local motel she'd taken residence in, head resting comfortably on an arm bent behind it, speaking into her phone.
1: "'I'd like to get an idea of what was going on in Reed City in 1983.' around the time that Jill Reynolds was murdered. Now, the city clerk's office has been a veritable font of interesting information. I swear, there is nothing like going down into the bowels of an old building and encountering the heady scent of old records bound in huge leather volumes. See, when I'm trying to figure something out, let's say how a young woman could get murdered in the middle of the day in the basement of a local hardware store with customers coming in and out and nobody heard or saw anything, when I'm trying to figure out something like that, I go deep. I look around. I see what's what. One of the first things I learned when I started talking to people is that Reed City is so small, you can't spit without that loogie landing on the shoe of someone you've either talked to, want to talk to, or probably shouldn't talk to about this case. Everybody's got something to say, so why are we here over 30 years later having this conversation, detective? You've been the lead detective for all those years, is that right?
0: Price cleared his throat, but otherwise remained silent. I didn't much like the tone of it, though. That throat clearing sounded to my ears a lot like Carla was pushing it.
1: I'd like to sit down with you and get a general sense of your feelings on the case. I'd probably ask you a number of questions that you'd either be unwilling or unable to answer, depending on the nature of their relationship to actual evidence, which I understand you can't give me, because this is still an active investigation. I'm well aware that you have no interest in speaking with me, Detective, and I can't say I blame you. But I'd like to pose some questions, starting with this one. Did you guys ever look into the possibility that Jill's murder was in any way linked to her mother being the city clerk and treasurer? More no, back then, they were all one position.
0: Mm-hmm. I hope she got what I intended from that mm-hmm. Because it was meant to be more of a, what the hell are you getting us into now? She got it, I'm certain of that. Because then Carla did what she always does when she knows she's about to cross the line. She got a big fucking grin on her face. Oh, it's there, trust me. And then, she daintily placed her toe over the line, before slowly dragging the other toe over, while never breaking metaphorical eye contact. Once she knew she had everyone's attention, she executed a little pirouette.
1: A couple things stick out to me, particularly when the words bribery, embezzlement, cover-up, corruption, keep... Creeping into the conversation, I understand it's probably town gossip, perpetuated by the passage of time, coupled with the little information about the murder that's available to the public. But certainly things appear more troubling when you start wading through the old news articles. Like, for instance, how a city cop assaults a state trooper and a resident at a local bar just a month before the murder, and then goes on to become a county probation officer presumably retiring on a nice, cushy, taxpayer-funded pension. Now, I'm not positive, but I'm guessing that if I went to the police department and I requested a copy of that arrest report from the bar incident, it wouldn't exist. What do you think, detective? Now, before both of you start getting all twitchy, don't worry, that won't happen, because I know that I would no sooner be out the door with the non-existent paperwork clutched in my sweaty paw then someone would be on the horn informing the local daisy chain that a nosy redhead just came in asking about arrest reports on a former cop. I get how these things work, detective. I did spend a fair amount of time up at the college staring into the abyss of the microfiche machine, and while it was not very good on the eyes, it was certainly interesting reading. The general gist of the story that I got was that the cop punched a shatterproof glass at the sheriff's office while he was in custody, called in sick the next day and used paid sick leave on account of the broken hand. I was told by another resident that the officer in question was at a party that night at the house of the chief of police, and this is about a month before Jill's murder. That thing about the paid sick leave kind of chaps my ass, because any other citizen that would have assaulted two people would have cooled their heels in jail for a little bit, and it is highly unlikely that they would have gotten paid for breaking their own hand in a childish fit of rage. And then there was an article in the paper about nine days after Jill's gruesome murder about the Chamber of Commerce. They were promoting the area by striving to put its good qualities in the spotlight. It seemed in rather poor taste to me. Gotta wonder who was responsible for that glaring lack of
0: commerce. Carla! I tried, but it was a half-hearted attempt. Mostly for Price's benefit.
1: Reed City was running on an $80,000 deficit in the months before the murder and the city manager and city clerk, a.k.a. mother of the deceased, were having to take out a loan with the local bank. I was told by a current business owner that the vice president of that bank had actually reached out to help the mother of the deceased acquire or offer to help her acquire a lawyer for some sort of embezzlement accusation that was being leveled against her. If this is true, it seems more than a coincidence that the city clerk, slash treasurer, is being accused of wrongdoing right around the time her daughter gets murdered. It certainly puts some of those wounds in an entirely different light. Sort of a shut-your-goddamn-mouth vibe when you look at it that way, doesn't it,
0: detective? Oh, fuck. What's going on, Mornell? Eh, just a minute, kid. I didn't like the pleading undertone that had crept into my voice. Carla... Could you bring this train into the station? My food is getting cold, and my dining companions are being forced to sit quietly while I attend to your intrusion.
1: I'd also like to hear about those underground tunnels, Detective. One of the old ladies working at the hardware store that day said that there was only one way in and one way out of that basement, and the stairs were right next to the cash register. So I've got a hard time believing that our monster strolled up those stairs with what was likely a fair amount of Jill Reynolds' blood all over him and then walked right out of the hardware store into what was, by all accounts, a bustling January afternoon. So, maybe you and I could go on a little field trip, Detective. You could take me for a walk down there, see what we see. I hear that all of those basements used to be connected, and you could get down the entire length of Upton Street underground. Unfortunately, nobody seems to remember when they started boarding up that basement-to-basement access.
0: I guess 30 years going by will do that, huh? Finished. Detective Price didn't know Carla like I did. She hadn't even started. And I felt around for the masticated chicken bone on my plate and gnawed on it for lack of anything more relaxing to do.
1: Detective, when I speak to people about the murder, what I find is that the public was woefully underappraised of how bad that assault on Jill Reynolds really was. The words killed or attacked... They don't exactly fit the bill in this case, do they? I find myself wondering if there would have been more people coming forward with information about the comings and goings of that store that day, if they actually understood the brutality of that assault. I understand that law enforcement has to walk a fine line and keep all the evidence as pristine as possible. But shit, there's something to be said about adequately informing the public as to the gravity of a situation if you're asking for their help not to mention trying to protect them. You know, give them a reason to keep a close eye on little Penny Sue while she's delivering her Girl Scout cookies in case one of her neighbors is a fucking psychopath.
0: Carla, I slammed a bone onto my plate with a clatter. The sound didn't stop her.
1: I asked this question of someone I spoke to. I said, would any of Marlene's duties as clerk and treasurer have included being privy to or stumbling across information that could have encouraged someone... With, I don't know, a high enough stake to keep her quiet by showing her what could happen if she talked? Now I realize this presumes that they couldn't kill her because they needed her continuing support, so what if she was being extorted somehow? You want to hear the answer that I got?
0: Bryce and I answered in unison. No.
1: <laughs> the questionee in question said, and I quote, Good question. There were a couple old gals on the council back then who were ripping the city manager and city council up on a monthly basis. If one of those two had disappeared, I wouldn't have even batted an eye, end quote. I don't mind telling you I can't wait to find out to what this ripping was attributed. I've got three years' worth of city council meeting minutes sitting next to me, and I plan on digging into them in just a minute. So I'm going to leave you with this.
0: Praise the flying spaghetti monster.
1: I was told that the overriding assumption with law enforcement was that Mike Reynolds killed his wife and was, in fact, close to confessing until you walked into the room, Detective Price. But I tend to think you're not so sure about his guilt, given that a few years ago you were allegedly speaking with an incarcerated offender about the possibility of his involvement in the murder. If you've exhausted those types of options, you aren't hanging your hat on the husband, and I respect that, because I know on paper the guy looks pretty good for that murder and it didn't help his cause that he ran off with the babysitter after his wife was brutally slain. But his actions could also be attributed to a freaked-out husband whose wife was just killed and everyone in town thinks he did it.
0: What do you want, Mrs. Danning? Price sounded too calm. Calm like a guy who'd spent a better chunk of his career managing a case that had gotten away from him. And now some red-headed chippy had sauntered into town with a sharp knife and some salt to press into the wounds she'd be inflicting.
1: What do I want? Well, thanks for asking. I want to know how a young woman is viciously murdered at her place of employment in the middle of the afternoon, blocks from the city police department, the county sheriff's office, and a state police post. I want to know why so many people are nervous when I bring up the subject at all. See, I don't care that this happened 30 years ago, at a time when I didn't even have a vested interest in this place, because I do now. I own a piece of property here, one that I doubt I have to remind you has its own sordid history around the death of another young woman who lived here. I don't care that I never knew Jill Reynolds, and I have no emotional interest in who murdered her.
0: What I do care
1: about is apathy for the sake of the status motherfucking quo. What I care about is inaction, "'because it's the easier road. "'What I care about is the unfathomable possibility "'that there was once a mother "'who did not only suffer the brutal murder of her child, "'but if something untoward was going on with her job, "'that woman spent the rest of her life "'knowing that something related to her "'resulted in her child's murder. "'And I truly hope that's not the case "'because that would be a burden "'that no decent human should be required to bear. "'It would mean that she suffered profound guilt "'until the day that she died.' Maybe that's not how it went down. I don't know, but I plan to find out. This isn't about the result, about solving a case. It's about requiring those around us to do the right thing, even when that thing is uncomfortable. It's about our collective responsibility to our fellow man. It boils down to the bad guy getting his due, rather than languishing for years out there somewhere, knowing that he got away with murder because nobody had the balls to pull up the rug, and see what was rotting under 30 years worth of dust.